You know, challenges in the Christian life often come in two different realms. One area, we find ourselves asking why God doesn't act the way we want him to. Right? And that becomes subject for our prayer life. And the other subject matter for our prayer life is why we don't act the way God wants us to. And so we talk to God a lot about that in prayer. Prayer is where both of these issues merge. So today our topic is continuing our series, People of Prayer, and our title is The Lord's Prayers. The Lord's Prayers. Have you ever wondered why we should pray? You ever found yourself just asking, like, what difference does it make? One of my friends uh, was preparing to do a week of prayer one time with uh, some, some other friends of his, and he jokingly said, hey guys, let's, let's see if prayer works. Uh, so today, let's not pray for anything before we speak and, and do stuff, and we'll see how the day goes. And he was, he was just joking, obviously, but sometimes we wonder, does prayer really make a difference? Because you and I have both prayed for things, for people. We've asked for God to heal someone, and we've seen a lot of people pass away. We've seen a lot of conditions not improve. Or why do we even tell God our request? Doesn't God know what we want before we ask? In fact, Jesus even said that. Your Father knows the things you need before you ask them. Why should we pray when a lot of our prayers seem to go unanswered? If there's anybody who we could look at today to help point us in the direction of some answers, we're not going to answer all these questions fully, but if there's anybody that we could point to today and look at and think about, it would be Jesus. Nobody prayed more than Jesus, and so who better to examine than the life of Christ? You know, the Gospels record uh, over 12 specific prayers that Jesus prayed, over 12 of them, but of course he prayed way more than that. He prayed every single day. Prayer was an essential for the life of Jesus. We, we've studied this a little bit already. Uh, and you'll recall verses like Luke 15, 16, where he would often, the Bible says, go out to a solitary place to pray. He had a special prayer spot. He has a, a special prayer time. Mark 1, 35, it says he would rise up early, a great while before dawn to go out and pray. And sometimes he would pray all night long. His prayer intensified in certain portions of his life, like before he picked the 12 disciples, he spent the whole night in prayer, before the Garden of Gethsemane, in the Garden of Gethsemane, before Calvary, he spent an intense period in prayer. On the Mount of Transfiguration, before he was transfigured, he spent a lot of time in prayer, and probably in the wilderness, before he was tempted at the end of those 40 days, Jesus spent uh, immense amount of time in prayer. So did prayer matter to Jesus? Absolutely. You know, for all of his ministry and all of his life, there are only three specific times when God 
that we know of spoke audibly to him or revealed himself to him physically in some manner. Uh, you can re recall at his baptism, we saw, we heard the voice and, and there was physical manifestations that were a spiritual boost to Jesus. Um, at the transfiguration, there was definitely some physical, audible, visual manifestations that were a boost and encouragement to Jesus. And one other time that, that are recorded in the Gospels. But the rest of the time, the way that Jesus communicated with God was exactly the way you and I do. His prayers were just like ours in the sense that when he prayed, he didn't hear an audible voice. He felt the gentle, still, small voice in his heart. He meditated upon the scriptures. Uh, but Christ, in his humanity, experienced prayer just like we do. I love uh, Steps to Christ. There's a wonderful chapter in there, uh, and it talks about prayer. Let me read this to you. It says, Jesus himself, while he dwelt among men, was often in prayer. Our Savior became a petitioner, seeking from his Father fresh supplies of strength that he might come forth braced for duty and for trial. And he is an example for us in all things. His humanity made prayer a necessity and a privilege. He found comfort and joy in communion with his Father. And if the Savior of men, the Son of God, felt the need of prayer, how much more should feeble, sinful, mortal humans feel the necessity of fervent, constant prayer. Jesus relied in prayer upon his Father. But how much more should we, people who have sinned, rely upon our Heavenly Father in prayer? So a, a really very rudimentary and basic answer to the question of why pray is because Jesus prayed. And if Jesus prayed, the one who made the universe, the one who has always existed from, from eternity and will always exist for eternity, if he knew that it was important to pray, you better believe it's important for us. So then we ask the question, well, how should we pray? How should we pray? Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. I'll make that chapter 6 real quick. We're not doing an exhaustive study on Christ's teaching on prayer, but a couple of things to point out. We know, number one, why pray? Because Jesus prayed. He, it was important to him, and if it was important to him, how much more important should it be to us? Matthew chapter 6, how should we pray? And of course, before the Lord's Prayer, before an example of prayer, we actually get an example of what not to pray about, or how not to pray. Look at verse 5. Matthew 6, verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the who? Hypocrites. The hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they will have their reward. Now, how many of you this morning went to downtown Modesto and stood on the corner and prayed out loud so that you could be seen? And you don't have to raise your hand if, you don't, if you're ashamed that that's what you did. 
This isn't as big of a pitfall for us today as it was back then. But nevertheless, we still have just as many traps with spiritual pride as they did then. Right? It's so easy. I told you about the time I found myself reading the story about the two men at the temple. The one guy that just hung his head and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the other guy the religious leader that said, God, I thank you that I'm not like him. And in my heart, as I read the story, I said, wow, I'm thankful that I'm not like that religious leader. Right? And then the Holy Spirit did a zinger to me, and I realized, ah, oops, (laughs) you got me. So perhaps our pitfalls with prayer are more internal. Or we do the gossip prayer. Hey, have you heard about so-and-so? We really need to be praying for so-and-so. Let me share all the juicy details with you before we pray. Then we forget to pray even about it. So Jesus warned against spiritual hypocrisy. Prayer was a very personal thing. Verse 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. Prayer is a personal thing. Something we should do publicly, like in gatherings like this, prayer meeting, 10 days of prayer, etc. Family prayer in the home. But we need to have our own personal prayer. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard by their many words. Isn't it easy to just get stuck in a rut praying? And we use the same, we use the same phrases over and over again. You know, we say things like, Lord, please help this food to nourish and strengthen our bodies. Uh, and sometimes you look down and, wait, if I want to be nourished and strengthened then why am I eating this? Right? Martin Luther, the great man of faith, was about to eat some pig. Uh, He said, Lord, if you can bless what you have cursed, then please do that. He hadn't accepted the full health message, uh, but he had come a long ways. We just have these phrases that we say. One of my classmates he would always in his prayers say, and Father God, Lord, I pray that, and Father God, Lord, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's easy for us to just say things because that's what we say. A friend of mine, he prays, um, and, uh, well, I, I, never mind, I'm not going to, I can look in my own life and my own heart and see, I just use vain repetitions so much of the time. And this is what's so unique about Christianity, is because Christianity, and specifically Protestantism, we, when we pray, we get to say whatever is on our mind. Whatever is in our heart, we get to say, and we're encouraged to say that. You know, in the ancient Roman time, during the time of Jesus, the pagans, when they would pray to their pagan gods, they believed that they had to say exact words in the exact order and say it just so, and if they didn't do that, the prayer wouldn't be answered. So sometimes even 
like if an important or wealthy person was going to pray, they would have somebody standing behind or beside them with the written prayer out that they were supposed to say, and they would be following along word for word, and if they missed the word or they misspoke somehow, they would correct them so that the prayer could be answered. So Jesus says, don't do those vain repetitions because the heathens think that that will make a difference, but that's not how our God works. That's not how our God works. We get to come to God as Jesus did and pray relationally. We get to pray with the content of our hearts. And we do it not so that people will think we're good people or important people or spiritual people. We do it because we know we need it. Just like Jesus knew that he needed it. Let's go real quick to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. A couple of things we've seen that we shouldn't do in prayer. While we're turning to Luke 11, you'll recall that like last week, we saw a couple of things from Elijah. Important things about prayer. Elijah was honest in his prayers and he also was persistent in his prayers. And we saw that you don't have to be a a superhero to pray to God, to pray big prayers. You just can be an ordinary person like Elijah was. But Jesus, later on in Luke, he told a story about a widow. And the widow kept on asking this guy for something, the judge who could influence her case. And at the end of it, he concluded that we should be the same way, persistent in our prayers with God. Jesus affirmed the same thing we saw from Elijah. But but here in Luke 11, we get the model prayer, as it says in my Bible, the Lord's Prayer. Now, just a a quick note. Sometimes people think that this is the only way that one ought to pray. Uh, This is a, a great pattern and a great example, but it's certainly not the only way to pray, and Jesus himself demonstrated that. Uh, But this is a a wonderful example for us and much we can learn from it. And we're actually not going to fully study it out today. I just want to point out a a few things in passing. Look at verse 1, Luke 11, verse 1. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, who's the he here? Jesus. When he ceased, that one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. The disciples had seen Jesus in prayer a lot, and they realized, we don't really know how to do what he's doing. We want to learn. Wouldn't it be cool if your family members occasionally would catch you in prayer? Right? What an example that can be. Now, we're not supposed to try and show off, but it's okay if people catch you in private prayer at your home or at, the, at, the, um, at uh, restaurants if they catch you in prayer. You know, I've had people come up to me and say, hey, I'm proud of you for, for saying a prayer before you ate your meal. And they were just affirming me in that. Uh, you can be a witness, a silent witness, even as you pray. So Jesus was praying, his example was rubbing off, and, and so then in verse 2 he said, when you pray, say, our, what? Our Father. You know, you can study the Old Testament and you can read the entire Old Testament 
but you'll be hard-pressed to find anybody in the Old Testament that directly addressed God as Father. Jesus, when he came down to show us what love is, he also came to reveal the Father. And Jesus, I think, 172 times called God his Father. But it's not just his own personal Father. He says, our Father, right? That has an equalizing effect. We are all children of the same Father. No matter what political party you may identify with, no matter what the color of your skin is, no matter what socioeconomic background you come from, no matter where you come from in life, all of us share the same Father. And He doesn't love any of His kids more than any other kid. All of us, He loves equally. Jesus said, Our Father. Now, for some of us, we didn't have good fathers. And so this is challenging. And so we have to kind of process this term a little bit differently. But basically, anything that's good in your earthly father is something that's from God. And anything that's bad in your earthly father is from the devil. And some of us have never had any of those positive things. But, and furthermore, as we think about the Trinity, sometimes we've gotten this idea that Jesus is the loving one, He's the friendly one, and God the Father is the stern one, right? And then the Holy Spirit, well, he's kind of the weird one that we don't understand, uh, which is not the, not the case at all. John 3.16 says, For God the Father so loved the world. When we're praying to the Father, we're praying to the one that loves us just as much as Jesus does, just as much as the Holy Spirit does. Jesus came to show us the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, he said. Well, guess what? Jesus was the epitome of love, the perfect example of love. And so the Father must also be that. And then there are seven requests that follow our Father in heaven. And you can read them and meditate on them and study them in your own. But you'll notice just the general pattern the general pattern in Christ's prayer is that he goes from praising and reflecting on the goodness and greatness of God and then eventually turning towards the personal needs and the requests. This has been a very helpful thing for me uh, to start off my prayers not by thinking about myself first. Reminding myself, telling God how good he is. Not because he's some vain uh, deity that, that demands these things, but because he deserves it. He totally, 100% deserves it. So we have seven requests. Sometimes people are afraid to ask for things for themselves. They say, no, that's too selfish. Well, Jesus, in the model prayer, gives us examples of things we can ask for for ourselves. Requests are not, though, the heart of prayer, but they're a part of prayer. Uh, because the heart of prayer is this relationship. Jesus didn't say, dear Amazon, please give me this and this and this and this, and I want it delivered this afternoon. He said, dear Father, our Father, 
It was a relational thing for Christ, and God wants it to be that for us too. We're not just reading off a grocery list. We're communicating with the one who made us and who loves us. Now, I've never heard God's voice audibly, but, but God does want to respond to us in prayer. I have definitely sensed God's spirit impressing my heart. Have you experienced that before ever? Uh, and, and most often, I find it the easiest way to hear God's voice is when I am praying through scripture. Because what do we call the Bible? God's word. You want to hear God's voice, his words to you? Well, spend time praying in his word. And I find that the Psalms are a wonderful place to do that. You can be reading in the book of Psalms, praying along the prayers of David and the other authors, and pretty soon you're going to start to hear God speaking to you through the words in this book. Is prayer important? Absolutely. It's important because it was important to Jesus, who taught us to pray, who taught us to be aware of the spiritual dangers, but, but mostly to focus on, on our Father and our relationship with him through prayer. But why should we ask for things? Why should we ask for things when God already knows what we need? There are several answers that we could give. One reason is it, it uh, is an opportunity for us to express what's in our heart, and there is benefit when we do that. But prayer is not just merely a, a psychological uh, experience that we go through to make ourselves feel better, because if there was no God, we could do that, and it would have the same effect. So it's not simply that. Um, it's not just a therapeutic exercise, and it's certainly not because God has forgotten or doesn't know. Part of it is that prayer is, a, is an experience where we get to grow in our dependence upon God. And when we're asking God for things, it reminds us that we don't have the power to do all things in our life. So part of it is that, uh, but a, a, a large part of it is just that it's a relational thing, and when, when you're talking with your friend about the challenges in your life, you share the things that are going on. God already is caring for the things that we care about, but when we express them to him, it allows the two of us to be able to care about the same things at the same time. You're caring along with God in that moment, not simply presenting your grocery list. It's an opportunity for your heart to be molded by God. And, and there's also a special element where because of the great controversy and because of free will, when we ask God to in, interact in, in the affairs of humanity, it somehow gives him more power to do so because of the rules of engagement in this battle that we're going through. And there's more we could say on that, but there is that other element. And Christ clearly asked for things in prayer. So why should we ask? Because Jesus asked. And the one who is the author of prayer, if he's asking for things, then we should know it is important and necessary for us also to ask for things. But what about when you ask for things and you don't get them? Have you ever done that? Has that raise your hand if you have ever asked for something and you haven't received what you asked for. Probably all of us. Right? And this can be discouraging. Especially when they're really important things to you. 
How do we understand a God of love that doesn't always answer our requests, especially when they're so important? Prayers for healing. Prayers for lost children or family members to turn back to God. And again, from the example of Jesus, I just have to remind us that Jesus himself had prayers that weren't answered the way he prayed them, the way he asked. John 17, the longest prayer that Jesus prayed. Uh, What's the essential, one of the big requests that Jesus is making in John 17, as you recall? He's praying for his believers, his disciples, and those who would believe through the word, that they may all be one. He says, Father, I pray that they and those who believe through them may all be one as you and I are one. Guess what? There have been over, uh, identified over 34,000 different denominations and sects within Christianity. Uh, based on my reading. I'm reading this awesome book. If you want more on prayer, Philip Yancey, Prayer, Does It Make Any Difference? This book is powerful. My mind is blown every few pages. Uh, you won't regret Um, picking up a copy and reading it. Thousands and thousands and thousands of different believers and beliefs, and, and clearly, all the followers of Christ are not united. Jesus has had prayers that haven't been fulfilled as he wished. Or what about, he spent a night in prayer before his, he picked his 12 disciples, and by outward appearances... His prayer for wisdom, just from a skeptical, secular, outward point, he gets 12 guys together. One of them betrays him unto death. His three closest ones run away at his most important time. And the others, they're wanting to nuke cities that aren't responding to him. And from one point of view, it sure seems like, whew, Right, what went on with that prayer? But of course, we know there's another side to the story. And so sometimes there are prayers that we think are not answered the way they should have been when God has been working an entirely different plan that we'll recognize later is better. Ray Anderson, a theologian, had this to say. He said, prayer is not a means of removing the unknown and unpredictable elements in life, but rather a way of including the unknown and unpredictable in the outworking of God's grace in our lives. Prayer doesn't take away all the uncertainty, but it's a way for us to embrace it with God on the journey of faith. And Jesus knew what that journey of faith was like. What about when he prayed for Peter? Just before uh, Christ was betrayed. He said to Peter, Simon, going back to his old name, Simon, Satan has asked for you to sift you as wheat. If I'm Simon, I would say, well, what did you tell him? (laughs) You told him no, right? Jesus didn't even deny that request. Again, God has an intense respect for freedom. Even the freedom to allow Satan to work in this world. And there's a lot of complexity there. 
And what, was, what did he follow with? Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I'm going to supernaturally empower you so that you won't fall. Is that what he said? I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Now, again, from one perspective, you look at the story. I've prayed for you that your faith won't fail. What happened a little bit later? Three times, his faith failed. But yet, again, from another perspective, perhaps Peter could have been a second Judas in his response to his failure. Judas failed. And then he went out and hung himself because he didn't, couldn't handle the consequences and the guilt of what he had done. Perhaps it was the prayer of Christ that strengthened Peter so that he didn't go out and jump off a cliff or hang himself. Perhaps the prayer was answered because ultimately Peter became one of the great leaders of the new Christian church. It was his sermon that converted 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost. Christ knows what it's like to have prayers not answered the way he wanted, and also prayers that appeared at the time to not be answered. But yet he kept praying. Why should we pray? Because Jesus prayed. Why should we ask for things? Because Jesus asked for things. Why should we keep on praying even though our prayers don't get answered many times how we prayed them? Because Jesus kept praying even though his prayers weren't answered or appeared not to be answered the way he wanted them, the way he asked for them. Jesus knows what it's like. But Jesus kept on praying. You know, for most of us, we pray when we're in a great moment of trial. We pray for strength in the moment where it is the most difficult. But I want to read you something from Haddon Robinson. He was a great preacher. He had this to say. He said basically that prayer was something that Jesus relied upon before things were uh, perhaps the most difficult, and that's what empowered him to walk through those difficult moments. Listen to these words. It says, where was it that Jesus sweat great drops of blood? Not in Pilate's hall, nor on his way to Golgotha. It was in the garden of Gethsemane. There he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Had I been there to witness the struggle, he writes, I would have been worried about the future. Man, if he is so broken up uh, where all he's doing is praying, I might have said, what will he do when he faces a real crisis? Why can't he approach this ordeal with the calm confidence of his three sleeping friends? Yet, when the test came, Jesus walked to the cross with courage, and his three friends fell apart and fell away. For Christ, prayer was the battle. And because of the battle in prayer, the battle of surrendering, saying, God, this is my will. 
but not my will, your will be done. Through that battle, all the other battles had been won. It was just a matter of walking through them because of the strength he gained, as you and I can gain in prayer. Why should we pray? Because Jesus prayed. Why should we persist in prayer? Because Jesus was fervent in prayer. Why should we believe that prayer makes a difference, even when our requests don't appear to do so? Because Jesus kept on praying, even when his requests didn't appear to make that difference. Because he's the God of the universe, the one that created prayer. He knew its power. In fact, through Christ's unanswered prayer, take this cup away. Later, the greatest blessing ever came to the world. If that prayer had been answered the way he wanted it, in his flesh in that moment, he would have left the cross experience having never gone through it, and we would all be lost. My dad's health is continuing to fail. Um, two days ago, we decided to make an unplanned trip up uh, on Christmas Day to spend some extra time. Uh, again, through your guys' generosity, it's been made possible uh, easily. But it's interesting because he, he said to me a month or two ago that he's learned something new about prayer. Typically, we say that there are three answers to prayer. Yes, no, or wait. He said he's learned that, that really there's just two answers to prayer. Yes, or I've got something even better for you. Amen. That was true of Jesus praying that prayer. God didn't say yes. He said, I've got a better plan. It won't seem so in the moment now, but trust me, it's going to be better for you and the universe later on. For our family right now, it doesn't seem better that apparently my dad is not being healed. But we don't know what, hold, what the future holds, but we know that God, our loving Father, is holding the future. And we trust, just like Jesus did, that someday... We'll look at God the Father and he'll explain to us the circumstances and we'll say, wow, this was better. And we thank you and we praise you for answering in a way we couldn't have asked for. Why pray? Jesus did. So let's keep on praying. Keep on trusting. Keep on believing just like Jesus did. Dear God, it's not always easy, but we believe that beyond the, the darkness of this world, there is a glory beyond that would make anything in this world pale in comparison. And so by faith, Lord, we want to be people of prayer, just like Elijah and just like Jesus. So Lord, continue to teach us how to pray and remind us that our prayers are not in vain. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a happy Sabbath, and I'll see you at breakfast Amen. next Sabbath. Right here.